in chapter 4 and verse number 1. Jonah in chapter 4 and verse number 1. Once again, thank you for your faithfulness tonight. I appreciate it. I know you do it for the Lord, but what a blessing it is to have you here tonight. And I hope this will be a message that will be helpful to you. I want to preach a message entitled, Should I Love That Great City? Should I Love That Great City? Once you've found that, if you could stand to your feet tonight, we'll read uh, just chapter 4, and then we'll be seated again. The Bible says there, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord, and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying, when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to, be, well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, but God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass, when the sun did rise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted, and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And Jonah said to, God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us, and thank you for the opportunity to be back in your house tonight. Thank you for the faithfulness of your dear people. I know... Lord, it's been a great day, Lord, serving you. I know many are tired, Lord. They labored hard today. They worked hard. And, Lord, they've come, Lord, one more time to be fed. Lord, I don't take that lightly. And I know, Lord, with my heart is to feed these dear people your word, Lord. May you speak through me. May you give us the message you have for us. Be with the children, Lord, as they have their time together and music and learning the Bible and the, the nursery. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll be with uh, each and every one of us, maybe on those online who are tuning in. Lord, bless them. Be with the Mutchlers as they are in Texas. Give them safety and help them once again as they minister to people tonight. Lord, use them. I pray you'll bless the service tonight, Lord, and may your will be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A circuit-riding preacher had trained his horse to go, and he said, Praise the Lord, the horse would go. And when he wanted to stop, he trained the horse that when he said amen, it would stop. Well, when he went to ride to a nearby mountain, he stopped for lunch by the mountain stream, and he said amen. He took off again, saying, praise the Lord. Horse started heading toward the edge of a cliff on a narrow mountain trail. The preacher got excited and said, whoa! Then he remembered and said amen. And the horse stopped just short of the edge, the gravel sprinkling over the side. The preacher was so relieved that he looked up to heaven and said, 
Praise the Lord. And over he went. All right. Tonight we see about a man who kind of went back and forth. He did not want God to use him, so he fled. He then got swallowed by a whale, and then he finds himself being used of God once again. God used him in a powerful way, and I don't know if there's a preacher alive that wouldn't be excited to have God use them like he used Jonah here. The whole city repented. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing. But Jonah gets aggravated and upset, and we find himself in chapter number 4 just sulking and frustrated. We see really two groups of people in this chapter. We see the protagonist, which is God, and he says in verse number 11, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons? Now, commentaries will say that six score thousand, of course, is 120 thousand, but that very well could have just been the children because it says unable to discern between the right hand and left hand. So very well, it could be four times that much, even up to 600,000 people in this city. It was a great city. God was concerned about it and also much cattle. And I'll go into that here in a little bit, why he added that. But then we have the antagonist, Jonah. He's the religious person. He's a person who knows better. He's a person who knows the church house quite well. He's a person who probably knows the word of God quite well. He knows the prayers. He really knows everything, but he is uncaring. He wants to destroy this great city. This city-disdaining prophet, this city-phobic prophet, this church-loving person who hates this city. I want us to see three things tonight about loving, should I love the city? And first of all, God's call to the city. Second of all, God's compassion for the city. And third of all, God's consideration of the city. And first of all, we see tonight God's call to the city. The Bible says in three different times in Jonah that God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. The Bible says in chapter 1, verse 1, Now the word Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Also we see in chapter 3, after Jonah's been split up by the well, God says once again, the word Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, and preach unto the preaching that I bid thee. But there's a third time that I've really never noticed until this week. The Bible says in verse 11, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city? God was once again asking Jonah, You're not done yet. I know you think you're done. I know you're fed up with this. But you're not done. I'm not done with you yet. Will you not go back again? Will you go and take these people who have just repented and teach them the right way? Yes, they've accepted me as their Lord and Savior, but will you disciple them? Will you teach them? Will you train them? Will you show them the way they should go? Will you lead them in the paths they go so they won't find themselves in another mess years later? Will you take the time to invest in them? And God's call to the city. I want you to love that great, huge, powerful, dangerous, and wicked city. God's calling Jonah out of a familiar place there in Israel. He's calling Jonah out of a comfortable place. By the way, where everyone thinks, looks, and believes like him. He's calling them out of that place. He's calling Jonah out of a safe place. He's calling Jonah for a unique purpose. 
to do God's will for his life. What about us today? I observed today we had the last two weeks probably close to 50 visitors, maybe more, just in the adult service. We had 18 family or people came just from one one person who invited them last Sunday, plus there was probably a dozen, maybe 20 more guests. And then today, between both services, at least 20, maybe more. And I watched some who were here from a like-minded church that's visiting the area, checking us out. I saw another family that was here from Indiana who grew up in our ministry. I saw another young lady who could tell that she was a little bit lost. I saw a young man who said, You know, I've been going to the LDS church down the road and I came just to check you out. I saw other families scattered around who were looking and visiting and and you could tell they were searching. They don't know why they're here. They're wondering why we do what we do. And you can tell church is a newer concept to them. And I saw a variety of different guests. And in my heart I thought, man, it's easy to have friends at church. You know, a year and a half ago when we showed up, we... We knew many people, not a lot. And over the last year, we've developed close relationships, of course, now as your pastor. But I remember not too long ago being in the seats for the first time, for a long time. We had been pastoring a church, and now we're trying to fit back in again. I couldn't help but think, all those guests scattered about, I wonder what they're thinking right now. I wonder what they're feeling right now. Do they feel loved and accepted? Do they feel cared for? Do they feel like... Oh, hey, we're glad you're here and going about our way. And once again, this is not about you and me. This is not about whether you're right and wrong. It's just some of the thoughts I had today. As I was pondering the message to preach that night, I wonder what they were thinking. I wonder what they were feeling. I got to go over to our children's ministry today for a few minutes to drop my kids off. And I went and said hello to all those kids. I felt bad. I didn't know half of them. And I want to. I want to get to know them. And I thought, I wonder how they feel. I think they're glad they're here. I think they're glad they're loved. I think they're glad they're cared for. But how do they feel? What is God doing to Jonah here? God is taking Jonah and saying, Jonah, I'm going to put you in a place where you're all alone in your mind. I'm going to put you in a place where you don't feel accepted, but I'm putting you there for a reason. That city needs you, whether you like it or not. Whether you want to admit it or not, that city needs you because of what you're going to tell them from my my word. I think of the Old Testament example. God's done this to his people before. I preached a message several months ago out of Jeremiah 27, 28, and 29. We see they are put in captive in Babylon. And if you remember the story, the exiles come and didn't really fit in very well. They kind of sat on the edge, if you will, of the city and they would not get involved. And they were saying, oh, woe is me. And then Hananiah, the prophet said, hey, only two years of this and then you're going to go back to Jerusalem. God told me that. And God says, Jeremiah, you tell those people that is not true. They're going to be there for 70 years. And instead of being in poverty and being impoverished, tell them to go, make a home there, be successful there, and do something with their lives. And so they did. And they, God blessed them. He told them to face the facts. They're there because of God's judgment, but they're supposed to flourish in the facts. And even though they were there out of God's judgment, God's mercy and grace gave them an opportunity to flourish, even in their chastisement, even in their judgment. I'm thankful that even though God will judge us, he also has the grace and mercy to give us a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. A just man follows seven times, yet rises up again. They're supposed to grow their faith in the facts. 
And we see these people go from not wanting to be a part of Babylon to integrating themselves. And then many of them, God used, of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, some of the most famous. But God used those people to help impact that city for Christ. Couldn't help but think today of the New Testament examples. I think of the earlier, early scatterers of the gospel when Paul, he uh, was, saw, of course, before he became Paul, was persecuting the church. And if you know a little bit about that time, they were spread all out. And Philip, of course, went to Samaria and Peter went off and several people went off and they started spreading the gospel all throughout that region. They took it to great key cities. I think of Thessalonica, which is on the Ignatian Way, which connected Rome with, with Asia. And, and there, uh, Paul builds, uh, starts a church in just a few weeks, but became an influential church. I think of Ephesus. Ephesus became a great church. It was a very influential city. I think of Colossae and many other churches. They'd go to those cities and they would establish and he would ground people. He would teach them. He would uh, uh, help get leaders. And then that church would thrive and that would, would grow. And just a half a century later, over half of the Roman Empire had given their life to Christ according to uh, 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 church history. By 300 AD, roughly 50% of the urban growth areas were Christians. We know as the city goes, the country and the culture goes, we're seeing that in our country right now. The Roman Empire was swept through with the gospel. And it's interesting, in Genesis and chapter number 13, Lot goes to the city But Abraham stays in the countryside. Lot, of course, becomes infected with the city and ends up becoming like them. But Abraham ends up growing closer to the Lord. And I think we understand today that you don't have to live in the city to reach it. But we do need to take the church to the city. I know I live in the country. And honestly, the last thing I ever want to do again is live in the city. I had to live in a small uh, 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 lot, a small yard with four kids during COVID, and you couldn't go anywhere. Even the parks were shut down for a little bit. And then we just started using them, you know. But it's just like, oh, man, give me some space. I love being out and about. I love the countryside. I love taking hikes. I love going up and seeing nature. But, you know, there's something about taking the gospel to the city. And we see tonight that God has, has called to the city. But I want us to see, number two today, God's compassion for the city. God's compassion for the city. Why does God call the church to go and minister to the city? I think there's two reasons. First of all, we see here tonight for the head reason. And that is because Nineveh was a great city. We see Nineveh was a powerful city, one of the most powerful cities at that time. We see close to perhaps 600,000 people. This was a very influential city. It was a very powerful city. And why not take it to the great city, the strategic city? If we have the message of the gospel, which can truly change lives, although not everyone knows what they need, we know that it is the most important And life-changing remedy of the gospel, of course, Romans chapter 2, verse 14, we see that God has put that in the conscience of every man. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one one another. We shouldn't want to hide this wonderful message of the gospel in a remote part of the world. What what selfishness that is. But in the village, you can reach individuals. And I'm thankful for the individuals that are reached. But in the cities where you can reach 
the masses. I'm not saying tonight we should stop going to the rural area. I'm not saying tonight we should stop going to the village. But I am saying tonight we must still go to the city. We must still be willing to reach the gospel. I'm thankful for each bus route, each bus captain here in our church. I think there's five of them, that, or maybe six, that go to the city. Go to the city. I'm thankful for Brother Mark over here and Gresham and, and Brother Tim over here and Woodburn. And may we all find a city that we can go and minister to. That we can tell about Jesus Christ. I'm thankful tonight for the head reason, but also the heart reason. The Bible says in verse number 5, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. Jonah moves out of the city in hopes that something bad might happen to it. Isn't it interesting how Jonah, who should know better, he goes out of the city hoping that even though God just did a miracle there, revival there, he goes out and says, I hope that city gets destroyed. I remember as a kid growing up in small town, Midwest America. By the way, I'm thankful for a pastor, Pastor Doug Rogers, who started a church in a small town of 4,000 that already had 17 churches. I'm thankful for another church that was started there that reached my family. But I remember growing up and hearing that California, the West Coast, was the land of the fruits and the nuts. And oftentimes I heard the story, we wish San Francisco would just fall off into the ocean. And I got to thinking, man, California's a bad place. Oregon, Portland, bad place. Wicked people there. No one loves God. Man, they, they, they're just awful. I'll never forget when God pricked on my heart to come to Oregon for an internship. I thought, what wicked people. Of course I'm going to go knock doors. Every single person there is going to be crying out for salvation. You know what I found? These cities were just like any other cities. And then the Lord pricked on my heart to go to California and plant a church. I'll never forget people said, oh, we raised most, most of our support in the Midwest because they said, you got to go out to California. We said, it's wicked. And we go out there and we realize that Turlock was the most churched area in the Guinness World Book of Records at one time. Oh, praise the Lord. I didn't work that, think that one through very well. But you know what we found? Even in a wicked state, if you will, that there was people that needed Jesus. And when they gave their life to Christ... And then I took the time to disciple them and teach them and train them. They become some of the greatest people in all the world. Amen. Some of our best friends, people who almost are like family to us, are in Turlock area of California. And you have people like that in your life too, that most people would say, oh, forget about that state, forget about that city. But God says, no, I love that city. It's a great city. Jonah, you may want to destroy that city. To you, it's nothing, but to me... There's people there. The Bible says in verse number six that Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. Jonah got more excited about a gourd than people repenting and giving their hearts to God. Jonah loved the gourd much more than these 600,000 people who didn't know where to turn for spirituality. And God is contrasting his love for a plant to his lack of love for this city. Look at verse number 10. Then said the Lord, thou hast pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, 
wherein are more than six core thousand persons that cannot discern behind the right and the left. By the way, there is a gourd I, I, I read that, that really comes up overnight in this area. So it was a pretty neat thing, but it was a lovely place. It was a beautiful place. And Jonah had retreated to the safety, and he looked down there just hoping that city would be destroyed. And God says, hey, hey, you look at that city and you want it to be destroyed. And you look at the beautiful trees and the, the hillsides and the picturesque view. But what I see is more beautiful than all that is the city. You see the trolley cars packed with people. You see the traffic bumper to bumper. And it's like, when will they ever move? You see the crosswalks that are crowded and you can't seem to get through downtown very fast. You see the overcrowded malls. But I see people and I came to seek and to save that which was lost. We must minister to the city, not because we are attracted to it, but because God is. God came to seek and to save that which was lost, Luke 19.10. John 10.10, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. We see tents, maybe. We see garbage. We see overcrowded. And may I say, I'm with you on that. Frustrates me. I, I, I don't want to be anywhere near 2.05 from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, no thank you. I'll just pull over and stop in a restaurant, or I'll pull over and go shopping, even though I don't enjoy shopping, but I'll do it, because I'd rather do that than sit in traffic. One of the most frustrating things is going through downtown Portland and stopping every 10 feet for a, a light, a trolley car, or a bike, or a person, or, I, of course I stop for a person, but it's like, it's like you never can get through. There's people everywhere. If we're not careful, I'm just as guilty. I'll just stay up in my neck of the woods, literally. But Jesus Christ, God said, Jonah, you don't want that city, but I sure want them. I love that city. I know you love your gourd, and I'm glad you have your gourd. And I'm glad you're comfortable. I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you're happy. But man, if you could only see what's really important, if you could only see what I really see. And I see, last of all, God not only calls us to love the city, but last of all, we see, of course, his, his call, his compassion. But I want to see God's consideration of the city. How did God view the city? First of all, we see his cry to the people. The Bible says in verse, chapter 1, verse 2, cry against it. Why? For their wickedness has come up before me. I think Jonah says, I can agree with you on that. They are a wicked city. And of course, you know anything about the story? They literally burned their babies uh, to an idol. And, and they, they, they were wicked, wicked people. The Bible says in chapter 2, verse 2, Preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. In chapter 3, verse 4, And Jonah cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I find, Jonah says, God, I can at least agree with you on one thing. As much as I hate to give them a chance, because I know you'll probably give them compassion and mercy, I'm happy to cry out there and tell them how awful they are. Isn't that easy to do as Christians? To point out how wicked and awful people are? And it's interesting to me, that Jonah was happy to do that. But then Jonah was most worried about God's compassion for the people. The Bible says in verse number 5 through 9, of course, uh, Jonah responds and says there in verse 6, a verse number two, and it says, Therefore I fled into Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentancy of the evil. Now therefore, Lord, 
Take, I beseech thee, my life from me. It is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, dost thou well to be angry? The Bible says in chapter 3, verse 10, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Wasn't it God who said for, was it ten or even eight people, that he would not destroy Sodom? If there was eight, I believe, at least ten, who would say, if I turn to God, then God says, I'll, I'll not wipe out that city. And Jonah here is so frustrated at God because of his compassion. But I want us to see that compassion, that crying led to the complaining of his servant. In verses 1 through 3, we see Jonah complains. He complains that God would even give grace and mercy to this city. Last of all, I want us to see the concern for this city in verse number 11. And should not spare Nineveh, that great city. But it's interesting. The Bible says there, there's six score thousand persons. And he says, and also much cattle. I don't know about you. Doesn't that sound a little extreme? God says, there's six score thousand, there's 120,000 people. But also their cattle. You know, God, are you really concerned about their cattle? But I think if you look this word up, you'll see we have today a credit card with a little chip that shows all our money in it. Back in those days, it was a little more hairy, a little bigger. It was their cattle. Their cattle was their economy. I think that God was not just concerned about people getting saved. I think he was concerned about the economic health of this city. I think he was concerned about the housing, the safety. In other words, I think he was concerned about the city being able to thrive, not just to be more wicked, but I really think, just like the children of Israel that he had told to go into Babylon and and build homes and work and to minister there, he wanted this city to thrive and be successful with God at the center of it. I think we are very good at sharing our faith, and may we continue to be but may we also be concerned as well about taking the time to teach and to train people the word of God. May we take the time to lovingly say, hey, this is the way, walk ye in it. May we take the time, maybe, and I know many of our teachers are in here today for Sunday school or our Christian school, but may I say, don't ever, don't ever stop teaching people about Jesus. Don't ever stop investing in people. And it was interesting as we got to see this as a church plant. We got to see most of those people we reached and they didn't have much. But when they started learning and growing and started taking financial courses and different things, it was amazing after a few years, they started becoming successful. They started becoming leaders in our church. And some of those people who were broken, one family was $100,000 and credit card debt alone. And in a couple of years, they were all out of debt, and they became one of our biggest givers and strongest families in our church. You say, what are you saying, Pastor Joseph? I'm simply saying that God was concerned also, not just with their salvation, but he was also concerned that they knew how to live and act right, how they knew how to be a good parent, a parent that loved the Lord and that was willing to take the time to teach and train and invest in their children. They also were going to be willing to help others along the way and be able to do good deeds and help to unify these people around the cause of Christ. And he, only, he knew the only way that was going to happen is if Jonah would be willing 
to go and make a difference. I see Jonah's opportunity. He had an opportunity to care in chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah instead. Instead of caring, Jonah goes out of the city to condemn it and hopefully watch with glee it being destroyed. His choice, he had the opportunity to care, but instead his choice was to condemn. He went out of the city in verse number 5 till he might see what would become of the city. Oh, this evening I want us to remember though, back to Jonah's opposite. Century later, do you remember about another prophet who went out of the city as well? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Jonah went out of this city to, that spared him to condemn it. But Jesus was dragged outside of the city. He didn't want to leave the city, but he was dragged outside of the city, wearing for it, dying for its salvation, not for its condemnation. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus Christ was willing to be dragged out of the city to be nailed on an old rugged cross? These very people he died for mocked him, spat on him, cursed him, pulled out his hair. They, they fed him, they put him in vinegar. They hated him. But Jesus left that city for one reason, to die on an older rugged cross, to pay for their sin and our sin. At the heart of the gospel is a man who lived the best life possible, but had a terrible life. But he had a terrible life for you and me. This changes everything. Jonah and his religion doesn't have the ability to understand God's grace and mercy. But Christianity says we are not saved because of our good, but because of the mercy and grace of Jesus. Jonah was so caught up in his good that he forgot about true salvation, what Jesus really did for him on the cross. And if we're not careful, we can become Christians that are so religious, if we will, so churchy, if we will, we get so concerned and the good we're doing, we forget about those who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can get frustrated with them, and I'm with you on that. We can get upset at them, and I'm with you on that. But it's exciting to see over the last year, God's allowed many people to come to our church. We've been able to grow by over 100, and we've had over 40 people almost. Uh, 35 people either begin discipleship or finish discipleship. And God's working in their life, and they're starting to reach people. And people are coming each and every week that they're starting to invite. I'm just trying to say tonight that maybe some of us can get a little bit upset at people for the way they're acting, or maybe some of us tonight can say, you know what? I'm not going to get upset at them. Instead, I'm going to go and try to reach them. Now, I know this is hard. Believe me, the Lord's convicted me much this week about this. And I've already been thinking, I'm going to go preach this, and then I've got to do something about it. It's easy to preach it, but it's harder to go do something about it. But I do want to encourage us tonight, maybe, just maybe, we can take a step in that right direction tonight. I know we can get frustrated at Portland, you know. It's a great city, it's a beautiful city. But there's a lot of wrong going on there. But I do know something. Jesus Christ died for that city. Jesus Christ loves that city. He loves Malala. He loves Canby. He loves Oregon City. He loves Milwaukee. 
He loves Clackamas. He loves West Lynn. He loves Tualatin. He loves Lake Oswego. He loves all those cities. He loves Estacada. He loves Colton. He loves Beaver Creek. And he wants us to love him too. George Herbert said this, before I tell you, you may say, you know, Pastor Justin, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready yet. I'm kind of scared to go do that. Well, George Herbert said, death used to be an executioner, but now the gospel has made me a gardener. Instead of worrying about what's going to happen to me if I share my faith, I'm just going to go and share my faith. I see, last of all, Jonah's response. The Bible says in verse number 11, once again, I've read this about 10 times, but I'll read it again. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? And you may, you may say, I, I think that's good for Jonah. I think that's good for George Herbert, and maybe even for you, Pastor Justin, but I don't know if I'm there yet. Well, don't you love the way this book ends? It ends with a question. I mean, what will happen? What happened to Jonah? What happened to Nineveh? What happened to that conversation? Well, God implores Jonah to allow God to use him to help these 120,000 to 600,000 people learn how to discern from the right hand or left. How do we know that Jonah was a racist? How do we know he was a runner? How do we know he chose to condemn? How do we know he was cruel? Because the word of God says, uh, tells us. He tells us. But a lot of commentaries believe, if you study this out, that perhaps maybe we don't hear anything more about Jonah because maybe Jonah finally, it sunk in. And finally, God finally got a hold of his heart. And Jonah decided, okay, God, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm going to repent of my thinking. And I'm going to do what I've been called to do. Now, we don't know. I... I don't know, but I just imagine maybe Jonah finally got it right. What about you tonight? Can God change your heart? Can God change your attitude? Can God change your actions? He changed, could have possibly changed Jonah's. What are you going to do about the two million plus in our area? I don't know about you, but I, I know I want to do something more this year. Will you go? Will you make sure and help lead people to get baptized? Will you help teach and train people through discipleship or the Sunday school ministry or the adult connection group or the teaching ministry of our church? Will you train people? Will you send? It's up to you tonight. It's up to me tonight. Will you go? Will you come to Christ? Will you allow the gospel to change you? I believe with all my heart, if we do, we can make a bigger impact in this area for Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. Maybe there's someone that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I do not know for sure I'm going to heaven. I can't believe that Jesus would die on the cross for my sins. I can't believe that he would, he would be crucified. He'd be whipped, he'd be mocked, he'd be beaten for my sins. As bad as I am, he'd do that for me. Yes, he did that for you. It's up to you to accept this free gift of salvation. You simply got to call out to him and invite him into your life. Maybe tonight someone would say, that's me, Pastor Justin. I would love to know for sure I'm going to heaven. I know this is a Sunday night service, but maybe there's someone that would say that. If that's you, would you slip up your hand real quickly and put it down? God bless you. Maybe there's someone here tonight that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I'll be honest with you. I'm not impressed with our city. 
I'm not impressed with our area. I'm fa- in fact, I'm kind of frustrated with our country, our state. I'm, in, I'm frustrated by the election. I'm frustrated by all these things. And I don't think I can do anything about it. I beg to differ. I think you can do what God did, what Jesus did. And I think we can go. I think we can love this week. I'm going to say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Will you pray for me? That, that, that I'll do that, that you just slip up your hand. God bless you, God bless you. Lord, you saw the hands, you know the hearts. Lord, you know my heart. I was convicted much by this message. Lord, I didn't want to preach it, you know that. Lord, because I know that I need to be in Portland more. I need to be knocking doors more. I need to be in our cities around here more. Lord, I can complain, I can bicker, I can get frustrated, I can accuse, or I can try to do something about it. Lord, I'm thankful this, this year our church has done a lot about it. We've seen countless people come to Christ. Lord, lives be changed. Lord, victory's been won. People that we've been praying about would come to church. Many of our dear families have invited, as we just heard in the testimony from Brother Cameron, been praying and they came. Lord, almost the last couple of weeks you've done that, like three or four weeks in a row. Someone has visited our church because of a family member that's been praying and praying. We as a class have been praying for, and you brought them. Even today, someone came that someone's been working on for a while. So I believe we're doing this, but I believe we can do it more. And maybe there's a few people in this room that could be challenged. I pray you'll bless this invitation, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano is going to play. I want to open the altar up. Maybe you'd like to come forward and just take a minute there in prayer. Maybe you'd like to stay there in your pew. But I want to encourage you maybe to pray about what God would have you do. And what would maybe God work in your heart about. I'm thankful for what God's doing in my life. I'm thankful what God's doing in your life. Maybe this is just a little bit of encouragement. See what Jonah struggled with, what Jonah did. Well, maybe tonight there's, there's a few people that can let the gospel change your heart a little bit more. You say, well, I know I'm going to heaven. The gospel's already changed me. I know. But when you think about what God really did for you and his love for the city, sometimes it challenges you to do just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Maybe the next time that person pumps your gas, you'll be smiling at him and give him a gospel track. Maybe the next time you go through that drive-thru, you'll smile and say, hey, you did a good job. Here's a little invite from our church when you read it sometime. Maybe you'll be able to go by someone's house and invite them to Christmas this, this season. Say, hey, would you come? I think you would like it. I think it would be powerful. I think it would impact your life. Would you come and be my guest? And in your mind, you know the gospel is going to be shared. Maybe that's a place for you to start tonight. Maybe you'll take a a few flyers on your way home and say, you know what? God's put a few people in my heart. I'm going to invite them to come. Maybe there's someone else who who you've been praying for. Don't stop praying for them. Like I said, the last four weeks in a row, I believe, somebody's come to visit our church because... God put them on their heart and they've been working on them. They've been praying for them. They've been inviting them. And God brought them. They got to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't quit praying. Don't quit working. God loves this area. God loves this city. God needs you here. He needs a bunch of Jonahs to stick it out and stay and to teach and to love and instruct. And may we continue to do that as God allows us to. God bless you. You may be seated.
and uh, we'll have an announcement video, and then we'll be on our way tonight. And thank you for being here. I appreciate it. And we'll show the video, then we'll be dismissed. Giving Tuesday is coming up on November 29th. Starting on this nationally recognized day, we'll be raising funds for the Family Center. A large donor has promised to match the first $70,000 that comes in between November 29th and the end of the year. So mark your calendars to be a part of this special giving opportunity for our gym. The church office is preparing the 2023 personal tithing envelopes for our members. Could you help us in staying up to date with your giving envelopes? If you would take just a minute to stop by the welcome desk and let us know if you would like to receive a set of 2023 personal tithing envelopes or if you have received them in the past and would like to opt out due to online giving. And if we do not get a chance to hear from you, we will mark you as your preference was for last year. Join us for a special Thanksgiving service on Wednesday, November 23rd at 7 p.m. It will be a time of singing, testimonies, and thanksgiving to the Lord. Don't miss our new sermon series, I Saw, starting next Sunday during the 8.30 and 11 a.m. services. We'll be taking a special look at several individuals throughout the Gospels who got to see Christ firsthand. Don't forget to bring in your gifts from the Giving Tree. Our goal is to provide gifts for a special bus ministry Christmas party on Sunday, December 18th. Simply choose a label off our Giving Tree and buy an age-appropriate gift for around $10.00. Then attach the label to your wrapped gift and place it back under the giving tree or bring it by the church office by Wednesday, December 14th. Don't miss the musical Christmas program, Believe. Friday, December 9th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, December 11th at 11 a.m. This musical program features full orchestration as well as our adult, teen, and children's choirs. Join us for the special time of Christ-centered music for the whole family. Please note that our Sunday school time will be abbreviated to facilitate our musical presentation. There will be a shortened connection group period from 10 to 10.30 a.m. on this special day. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7. Okay, well I hope you know two things. Uh, God loves you and this pastor loves you and our staff love you. And then we pray for you. I hope you have a great week. God bless you. See you Wednesday night for our special Thanksgiving service. You are dismissed.